0: Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSPMag24. Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Redefining Security podcast. Have you ever thought that we are selling cybersecurity insincerely, buying it indiscriminately, and deploying it ineffectively? Perhaps we are. So let's look at how we can organize a successful InfoSec program that integrates people, process, technology, and culture to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. HITRUST is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. Learn more at HitrustAlliance.net. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. Marco. Sean.
1: Have, have you heard of this new thing?
2: Sean. Marco. Sean. I heard about this Sean thing. I don't know oh, what it is. Right? No, that's there's what this, we're talking about. There's this
1: new thing, the new Sean new show. I don't know. I'm talking about this new fandangled thing, Marco, called the internet.
2: Ah, uh, I heard of it.
1: Yeah, it's it's gonna rock the world.
2: You know it's gonna what I heard? Change
1: how we do things.
2: I heard it is on the internet. You the internet? You the internet? <laughs> you heard it on the internet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you made that possible, but uh, here I we are. We we need we're a we're talking one. about this new thing called the internet while on the internet. Yeah. No, I th- I think uh, we're properly confusing everybody. Yeah. The, 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 That's what we do. But I'm not uh, being completely wrong here. There there is a new internet. Doesn't mean there isn't one yet, right? So maybe that was maybe we we had the assumption that there wasn't one yet when I said that. But there is a new internet, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. And and uh, why do we need need a new internet? And what does it solve? What problems are we experiencing in society, in business, in life that the uh, existing one may not uh, hold up to? And, of course, I have no idea, Marco. Maybe do you?
2: No. No. We, no. Uh, we, 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 we use the Internet to connect with someone <laughs> that knows about it. <laughs> that's right. And so that that's the proof of concept to see if actually the Internet, after so many years, still working somehow. We have uh, Nicola Rustignoli. I, I'm pretty sure I pronounced that correctly because he's, like me, he's Italian, but he's living abroad. Uh, he's in Switzerland right now. Hey, Nicola, how are you?
3: Hey Marco, I'm great. Thanks a lot for having me here.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's our pleasure. So, Sean, should we start from from who is he and why he's going to tell us about the new internet? What do you think?
1: I I think we we should start with who the new Nicola is first. Yeah. <laughs> new new uh, new to our audience, uh, Nicola. It's a pleasure to meet you. Uh, I'm I'm grateful that we had a chance to connect and uh, I'm very excited to have this conversation. So a little bit about you and uh, your role as part of this research and and everything else going on with the the new one.
3: So thanks a lot for having me here, Sean. So yeah, so I'm an engineer at ETH Zurich in Switzerland. Uh, We are a research university and actually we have been working for quite a while on this next generation internet called Scion. And my role is to really bridge uh, the gap between our great research and industry, and that's why I'm uh, I'm helping uh, you know organizations that are actually adopting this new internet. So that's really about taking the research and making sure that society can actually benefit from that.
1: I love it. And so maybe maybe to set the stage, I know we kind of want to get to the, the current state and and why we need something new. So I'm wondering. the the research you and the rest of the team are doing, uh, I'm wondering how that works. Are you looking for problems or are the problems obvious and you're looking for solutions or is it both? And are you presented with problems you have to find solutions for? How does that all work from the the team
3: there? Yeah, that's a great question. So when you look at Today's internet, well, in some way, there are, there are actually lots of problems that, uh, especially from a researcher's point of view, are actually quite evident. And specifically, we uh, work uh, with interdomain routing. So that's really about getting the data reliably from A to B across the globe. And what we have seen over time is that, well, when we actually started 10 years ago, those problems were more uh, familiar, uh, more uh, known in, within academia. And in the last few years, as the internet has become so fundamental in our lives, we're actually witnessing how those problems are actually really noticed by society. And that is because the internet today simply cannot keep up with all the growth and with all the new applications that are coming out. So, you know, it's something that has been evolving over time, coming back to your question. So is it, is it really a matter
1: of scale and... All of the, I'll call them flaws or blemishes, are are exposed with the scale. And is it that we've been able to kind of work around and and uh, put makeup over the blemish <laughs> for for a long time and and not really pay attention to it, or what, what's going on?
3: I I think the problem is twofold. So scale for sure is a problem, and. For example, when it comes to internet routing, the, the growth in routing table size, for example, has always been uh, a scaling challenge. And the number of devices that connect to this internet just keeps growing, and you know there is no end in sight. And so that's one way where current, um, current approaches are sometimes showing their limitation. But on the other hand, this is not only about scale, but more about reliability. So 10 years ago, if your internet went down for five minutes, it would be, okay, fine, I'm going to try later. But today, when we actually control lots of things that are very essential to our daily life over the internet, then those uh, little outages or those attacks that can cause your network to be down they're not acceptable anymore because we just depend so much on it. I'm thinking about, let's say, controlling the power grid or controlling things that are so fundamental uh, about our lives. And when you think about IoT, well, that's great. We are connecting all things were the internet. But what if we actually really need those things? What if the internet fails when you actually need it the most? And that's, that's a bit the question that we have been uh, looking at. So it's really beyond scale, even though scale is of course very important as well.
2: So l- l- let's go like a couple of minutes of history in in a a nutshell of the internet right you know we had a conversation not too long ago actually a very short time ago about uh playing games and how the gaming industry has become so demanding from a data perspective virtual reality 3d gaming going from level leveling up to like creating world and universes and so on. And and one of the things that came out in this conversation with its two game developer engineer from uh, big companies is like we just cannot achieve with the internet that we have today the things that we could potentially achieve, even thinking about connecting so many people with different, uh, you know, reference points on their avatar, for example. So uh, this seems to me familiar, like in a nutshell, when we invented the internet, no, we—I—I I didn't. I can tell you that I didn't invent the internet. Uh, it wasn't for—I mean, we, did we have the, an idea that it would have become this omnipresent in everything that we do? And that is—is is that why we need a new one? Like knock it down, build a new one from
3: scratch? Uh, absolutely. So when when the internet was built, you know, it was more of a small research community. And a few um, pioneers that started joining all those uh, local networks together, and you know when that happened, then they faced the problem of interdomain routing, which is basically figuring out how to transport data from one network to another network that is somewhere far away. And uh, when that happened, well, initially a lot of the early um, efforts in the internet were about ensuring reachability. So the main goal of the engineering behind the internet was to make sure that anyone could talk to anyone else in, no matter where they were. And I think the internet did really a great job at that because today you can talk to, to computer you can talk to a device that is pretty much anywhere on the planet. So I think this is a really impressive achievement. But on the other hand, when you actually look at the quality and the performance uh, metrics of how this happens today, that's where I think what we have today with today's internet that is based on, uh, for example, BGP for inter-domain routing, that's where you really see the limitations of this early approach. Because back then, if you look back at the 80s, when uh, you know all of this was uh, created, well, performance, uh, for example, for applications like VR and gaming and so on, it was just not really um, a problem that people had. And they could not envision that you know, this would last so long and that people, uh, almost 40 years later, would still be using the same protocols. And that's where we are really hitting those fundamental limitations that we actually try to address with our research uh, on, uh, on the next generation internet science.
2: They did something so good that they didn't even believe them that they did it so good. <laughs>
3: Yeah, in some way, it is impressive that we still use it today. But, uh, yeah, the limitations are really getting more evident.
1: So, limitations uh, are one thing. Flaws are another. And I'm wondering, if in doing your research, if you make that distinction or not. Because some of the things you, you pointed to in, in the notes, you talked about uh, security and reliability and being a security guy, I'm I'm always looking at everything from uh, the the CIA triad: confidentiality, integrity, and availability, um, which touches those two things. So I'm wondering what what are limitations and what are flaws, and what are some of the things that you're you're researching to help make things better in the new internet? Let's start there.
3: Yeah, when thinking about today's internet, I'd like to to tell this with a metaphor. Let's think about navigation and, you know, just ships going out in the ocean. When you look back at a few hundred years ago, uh, well, sailors, they they only had maybe a map and maybe a compass and they could just choose, if they wanted to go somewhere, they could just choose the direction and then they would just go and sail in that direction and they they had to wish for their best. They didn't know anything about what uh, was ahead on their path. They didn't have weather forecasts. They didn't have GPS. They didn't have radars. And today, when it comes to navigation, ships don't go out in the ocean uh, sailing like this anymore. right? They have a lot of tools. And when it comes to the internet, when you actually want to send a data packet to somebody, we are pretty much stuck at this 100 years ago, like in navigation. What you can actually do is that you send this packet to your uh, first router, and then you can only pray for the best you don't know anything about what uh, path lies ahead. You don't know if this packet is gonna go through some adversaries. You don't know if the path ahead has congestions or has performance problems. And that also means that you can, as an end user, you can't do anything about it, which is why when you wanna, let's say, play online, then you can face this latency or performance issues, going back to what we were talking about before. And so the internet is a bit stuck Uh, at at this point in time. And so for sure that that is a really um, big problem when it comes to availability. And when I mean availability, I also mean performance in the sense that applications are not really able to always perform to the level just because you're not able to choose your path. And besides that, uh, I mean, there's also a lot of network-based attacks, for example, denial of service attacks and so on that are very hard to prevent and this is really because of how the internet works today. And that's because security was not really a thing when this was, uh, was built. When it comes to integrity, going back to your CAA uh, triad, well, not knowing where your data is going through, that means that you're also exposed to potentially your traffic going through some, let's say, unwanted entities. And if you look at today's internet route hijacks, are very, very common. And they're actually used in practice for for doing lots of nasty things. So I remember hearing just a few months ago that uh, people kept uh, stealing cryptocurrency by basically redirecting some of the uh, requests uh, to those blockchains. And this has been happening many, many times. And that is because with today's internet hijacks are actually very possible. Even if you deploy the basic security protections that are that people have been trying to um deploy to fix this like rpki so traffic can always be funneled through a third party that maybe you don't really trust and you don't want your traffic to go there even if it is encrypted in some cases so yeah i think these are two uh, massive uh massive issues that we're actually trying to tackle with uh, with Cyan. so
1: let's uh let's dig in with uh how you're doing that cuz what i'm and I know we talked a little bit about, about gaming as an example, um, and yeah. one might think of the, of a kid sitting with the sitting with a headset on and in a in a nice fancy chair with uh, with some cool music playing, but these technologies find their way into business as well, and uh, and it can become pretty serious. You, you mentioned earlier, uh, maybe before we started recording, that you're doing work for a lot of work for the finance and and. Uh, maybe even critical infrastructure industries. And there's a lot at stake. Healthcare, for example, is another one. There's a lot at stake when those entities, those sectors are using uh, the Internet to do their work. And if the Internet fails, if the Internet falls down, if it loses its integrity, uh, it can have a serious problem. So what my question to you is, what is Scion doing to solve some of the problems you mentioned? And I'm wondering, how does that change how organizations view reliability and security, mainly in the, in, in the area of privacy, for example?
3: That is a great question. So when it comes to the how, well, Scion started as a clean slate uh, design. So the idea was to try to really think, how secure could an internet be? And this is why pretty much every operation that is uh, performed on packets is always backed by very strong cryptography. There is always authentication and so on. So most of the attacks that happen on, th- on today's internet are actually impossible by design. One really interesting feature about Scion is that it is natively multipath. So that means that as a, as a user, you can actually choose the path where your data travels. And actually this is really interesting because that actually opens up a whole new range of possibi- uh, possibilities. First of all, I'm thinking about reliability. So if you have more than one path, that means that if something breaks in the network, even if very far away from, from your end host, you can actually instantly fail over to a, to a, to a different path. And that's, that's what gives Sion that extra reliability that in today's internet you don't have. And that is because today's internet can take even many minutes to actually react to a failure in the network. So this is a very interesting feature, for example, for uh, business uh, organizations, enterprises that are actually now starting to adopt Scion. Another really interesting one is that those Scion paths are actually fully uh, authenticated. I think I mentioned that earlier. And that also opens up a lot of new possibilities that are not really available in today's internet. So for example, as a user, you can actually choose which piece of infrastructure is going to route your packets. And if you're working in a highly regulated industry, let's say finance or, you know, military or government, that means that you can actually restrict your traffic to stay within a certain trusted boundary. And that really allows you to do actual geofencing on your traffic. And that, of course, that also makes you immune from all those routing and hija- hijacking attacks that I mentioned earlier. So this has been resonating quite well, especially with the finance industry in uh, Switzerland. And actually, they started adopting Cyan exactly because of their compliance requirements that really uh, uh, pushed them to actually adopt a technology that could actually give them much better guarantees than what they actually could achieve uh, with their legacy solutions.
2: So let me ask you something right. before Sean asks more technical question. Because I'm like the, thinking as a user, thinking as a business or an organization. I'm like, all right, you're gonna come, you're gonna give me a new internet. What does it mean for me? How how do you, how do you migrate from from this highway, let's call it, to to drive on another one? I mean, do do you need?
1: You need you need a new car, Marco?
2: Well, I'm thinking I need (laughs) I need a new everything, and that would be very scary from a business perspective. So I'm thinking, adoption wise, how how easy is it?
3: And absolutely, that's I guess that's the question. How is it? Yeah, that is a great question. So of course we know that this approach of rebuilding things from scratch can be very uh, high impact, and this is why when engineering this we actually thought of many transition mechanisms that can actually help enterprises to, to migrate easily. So one of the first thing that comes to my mind is that of course, we have a way to convert between the legacy IP word and the Cyan word. So there is a gateway that can actually encapsulate and decapsulate traffic. And so when you think about an enterprise deployment, what you actually need is a small appliance at, at the enterprises that want to talk over Cyan. And then traffic between those enterprises can be routed with all those additional benefits in terms of, uh, let's say, compliance, reliability, and so on. So that, in the end, uh, needs this additional device or piece of software somewhere in the middle of the network. And of course, you need some uh, ISPs uh, to provide Sion connectivity. And this sounds like crazy, but actually here in uh, Switzerland and Europe, where this uh, is really gaining lots of momentum, actually in Switzerland, we have all the biggest ISPs. Now they really provide uh, cyan connectivity, let's say as a premium option for their customers, for the enterprise customers, which mm. actually we find really impressive as this, you know, it was researched just a while ago. I, li- I
2: like how you say it's a premium.
3: <laughs> so so Nicola, I'm, I'm
1: thinking like uh, a security analyst sitting in the SOC or perhaps a network engineer uh, in IT or maybe a firewall manager. I'm just thinking our, our networks are complex and how we manage our edge is challenging. I'm just thinking how many thousands of firewall rules and IDS rules and all these things that security teams and networking teams have to put together just to defend from denial of service, defend from inbound scans and things like that. How does... From, from the perspective of a security professional, how does Scion change the way they look at their own network and the connections made to it? Does it does it free them from some of the challenges they have today or what, Or does it add more? What does it do?
3: I think it definitely alleviates some of the challenges here. And I'm thinking, of course, about especially the light of service attacks uh, and so on. And that is because many of them are... Uh, in some way prevented by, by design in in the architecture. One, if I want to summarize this um, in, in a nutshell, well, what we can say about Scion is that actually it provides uh, network engineers with the same level of reliability that you have when you actually get a private line to somewhere. I'm thinking about like a lease line or an MPLS, but this is over the internet. So you have the availability and let's say bandwidth and so on guarantees of having a dedicated pipe. But at the same time, this is an internet. So that means that you need only one connection to talk to all your partners that have adopted Cyan, which makes it a huge benefit in reducing complexity versus legacy environments where network engineers had to deal, for example, with a lot of uh, list lines for certain use cases or where they had to deal with. For performance over internet, where they were using more some kind of like ST1 or those kind of solutions. So that definitely simplifies things. There are also mechanisms in Scion for uh, providing, for example, packet authentication and so on. And those are more in the denial of service um, area. So that's where I think Scion can also simplify things. Um, yeah, when it comes to firewall, I mean, in the end, Scion is, is about network and, and paths. And of course, one. One key thing about Scion is about trust. So when you configure a, a Scion autonomous system, you can actually very explicitly determine who you trust and who you don't. And this is really reflected in the cryptography that is actually used for packet forwarding. So if you say that you're, uh, let's say, in in the finance industry, and you only want to trust your uh, other uh, peers in the finance industry in a certain country, you can actually do that in Scion and that automatically shields you from a lot of uh, background noise and attacks that actually come from somewhere else. And this is because forwarding is really impossible because of how the cryptography is actually preventing, let's say the traffic you don't want. So you're really in charge of the traffic that you're allowing through. So that's where I think this can somehow simplify operations when you compare this to today's internet where by default, Everyone can um, uh, communicate to everyone. And Sion just provides you that additional control. It still is an internet, so you can replicate this communication everyone to everyone, but you can actually specify it very clearly and very transparently how this works.
1: I'm glad you went to the cryptography thing, and then you mentioned trust as well and, and authentic, authentication. Because the other thing I'm thinking about, and I, I, I'll use the three letters PKI and most people listening to this episode will probably cringe. Managing a PKI environment is challenging. So does this help with that for, uh, yeah, the, the trust and the authentication? Of course, if, if the, the tunnels encrypted, uh, the privacy is, is maintained. And I don't know if what the technology looks like from, uh, is he using blockchain-like technology in there as well to help with integrity, or I'm just thinking PKI sucks. It's good, but it sucks <laughs> from a management perspective. How does how does this relate to that?
3: Uh, this is a very interesting question. So, first of all, just to be on the precise side, Scion does not do encryption, so we leave this to um, to the end user. But eventually, we are able to provide cryptographic material and symmetric keys so that. Encryption can be very easily added, but this is not part of the core features of Scion that are more towards path awareness, uh, routing security, and so on. When it comes to PKI, I fully agree with you that when it comes to today's PKIs, there are so many vulnerabilities, or well, not vulnerabilities, but let's say issues with the model and the trust model around it. And this is why Scion actually has its own PKI that is uh, used as a basic layer for all the routing and uh, forwarding operations. But there are actually, there is a lot of extensibility. So the Scion PKI can actually be also used for additional applications. And we have some of them about packet filtering. I mentioned that we can easily provide uh, symmetric keys between any Scion hosts. We can do this very quickly with a very low overhead and so on. And without going into the implementation details, I think the most important thing that differentiates Scion from, um, From today's PKIs is about the trust model. So Scion is really built by design to be a multi-stakeholder architecture. And Scion has this concept of isolation domains that are a bit like a bubble. They're called isolation, but they can actually talk to each other. And each of them has a specific root of trust. And each isolation domain is somehow in charge of its own destiny, uh, cryptographically. And trust can be scoped to those domains so that you're actually uh, able to choose who you want to trust. Maybe you're the finance industry, so then you want to trust, uh, let's say you're a Swiss and maybe American and so on, finance industry. And that gives a lot of flexibility to, to decide how trust works. And that also allows you to have some kind of multi-stakeholder governance, where, where each stakeholder is in strong control of their own area, but they're also more independent both cryptographically and uh, on on the data plane, from what happens in other areas, and I think this is really differentiating Scion from today's uh, PKI. If you think about the HTTP PKI, I mean, each browser is trusting so many certification authorities, and they are managed by so many different entities that you know th- this is uh, this can be very very tricky because if one of them is compromised in this oligopoly model, then Anyone can actually, um, yeah, fake any certificate on on your browser. So that PKI is, for example, problematic. And Cyan also tries to improve on on that side. I hope that that gave you a perspective on on this. Yeah, it certainly does. Topic. Yeah, I
1: know it is. <laughs> we could be hours on it. Um, just maybe one more thought on this, um, where where we're talking about trust and connections and stuff inside and. And there's this whole movement, uh, it's not new, but the whole movement on zero trust. And I'm just wondering your thoughts on that and the connection with Scion to, to that, uh, that model of operating.
3: Well, when it comes to zero trust, the idea is more to move everything to identity. We don't care anymore about network and so on, but I think Scion operates a bit at a lower layer. So Scion is really about building those strong and resilient pipes for the internet infrastructure to support, you know, all those kinds of future applications. So I think we are really at, at, at different layers, right? Zero Trust is more about users, but if everything is internet-based and now that all applications are shifting to the cloud, everything is becoming internet-based. Well, what happens when you move applications from your data center to the cloud is that connectivity from your users to the, to the cloud, to the public cloud then becomes even more important. And so what Scion can do is that it provides you those very strong and resilient pipes for that communication to happen. So I think we are a bit at the, at the lower layer. And but we are, I think we can definitely be an enabler for zero trust and you know for SaaS and you know for enterprises to get get rid of their data centers and so on.
1: Yeah, and I guess that was that was kind of my view on this, isn't that it's not a competing capability and it's not not adding more complexity. the The pipe is the pipe. The fact that you pointed out is, that the pipe is no longer just inside, right? Uh, it's multi cloud, hybrid cloud. Everything is yes. going to be out of exactly. the data center using this pipe. It, it, more reliance and more trust is being put on that pipe.
2: So, Sean, the the bottom line is that the cybersecurity people are still going to have a job. That, that's what I'm. That's what I'm getting here.
3: Oh, absolutely. They're still going to
2: need it. <laughs>
1: I would think so. Yeah, I think uh, there's definitely, definitely room for uh, for some improvements
2: still. It, it's, it sounds like you know to use the the the, the metaphor of a of, of a highway or a new uh, infrastructure where you can drive better car, faster car, maybe more secure car, because you you have a better. A better highway system, in a, in a way that that's a very simple way for me to take it. But you know, I, I like metaphors, so tell, tell me, call if I'll I'm wrong with that.
3: Absolutely. I mean, you still gotta have somebody to engineer those cars and secure them <laughs> and so <laughs> right. on. I mean, there's uh, there's applications on top of the network layer, right? And those still have to be secured and so on. So that's uh, yeah, that's a very great metaphor. So uh, I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna use that because th- in in a country, in a state, in a region. There are entities that design and build and maintain all that, usually at a government level and uh, sure there's research going on for how to build a better bridge and and which paths to take freeways and roads and how do you eliminate congestion in certain areas and maybe that's some some of that falls outside of direct uh, government control and they, they hand that off to research and things. But I guess my question is how does what Scion is doing move from research to commercial? Does it, does it need to have government governmental support? Uh, does it go straight to commercial and, and it's a, it's a value drive there or how how does it, how does it
3: break out of uh,
1: Switzerland's labs?
3: <laughs> That that is a great question. First of all, I think we're actually really hitting an inflection point where, if you look at um, at those issues at science solves for many years they were a bit under the hood in the sense that researchers were aware of it, but society, you know, there was not yet this need for really reliable connectivity. And these days, we get approached by a lot, lots of governments, lots of. Uh, Businesses that are actually facing challenges with the internet, and then they realize, oh, you got this uh, this science thingy, and that's great. So that has been taking quite some momentum, and I mean, to this day, we we have in especially in Switzerland and in Europe a growing community of ISPs that are adopting this, so that they can, um, yeah, provide better connectivity, better premium connectivity to their uh, to their customers. And this, uh, I think, to these days. Uh, they're coming by themselves because they want to get Scion enabled. They have heard about us. They have heard about some of the uh, early adopter stories. And so I think we are really getting in uh, this momentum where things are really uh, rolling. Well, of course, Scion is also a big ecosystem. It is an internet, so you will not be successful if you're the only one doing that, right? So you need a community. And this is why even in my role, we are working on setting up uh, the Scion Association so, that is really uh, an entity that uh, helps grow in this ecosystem. We are working on standardization and bringing Scion to uh, entities like the ITF. We want to help companies to build more products. There's already an ETH Zurich spin off, an Apia that builds uh, commercial grade routers and so on. There's multiple implementations, open source. We are helping the open source community. So it definitely started with support from academia and especially from ETH Zurich, but I think now it is really uh, rolling, you know, by itself, where the industry and uh, uh, where the industry is really jumping on it. And I think a major milestone was actually the Swiss finance industry that is now using Scion for uh, for exchanging payment information. So whenever you pay somebody in Switzerland, then this information is actually going to go over science And I think that was a major breakthrough because that really gave people confidence that you know this is not just research; it is this is something that works and actually works really well. If you if you talk to the people that uh, operate uh, and work day to day with this technology,
1: and the the primary I'm going to call them consumers, but the, the the people looking at this really closely are the ISPs. I think I heard you say. How about like CSPs? Do they have a role in this, or where do I can't? It's not the enterprise latching on to Scion directly, right? They're getting it through some service provider. Is that correct?
3: So normally ISPs they provide this uh, extra connectivity uh, as a premium option, and they normally manage that. But that's uh, that's quite open. I mean, we even have an open source where if you want, you can download all the code and run it yourself, and do everything or there's more managed solutions where you just get the connectivity layer and it's, it's fully managed. So I think that that really depends. And what we see from our perspective is, is that people more in research that are willing to experiment, of course, they try to do things by themselves. But on the commercial side, now there's really like uh, commercial implementations that have all the bells and whistles for them to be managed. And it, it also comes as a service. So there's different levels, right? And that depends a bit on what who you are? Of course, enterprises they prefer the more uh, managed solutions.
1: Yeah, I just I I'm picturing uh, a Google and a GCP providing this as part of the this, their service rather than running on somebody else's pipe. But uh, I don't
3: know. one day we'll get there. <laughs> we do have some uh, some service providers that that do provide uh, cloud connectivity, and right. uh, they can help, uh, let's say, bring the Scion pipe uh, as close as possible to through those public clouds. Yeah, yeah. But there is definitely yeah. interest. Now that uh, that the ecosystem is really growing, I'm I'm sure we'll get there. Yeah, yeah.
1: I guess, yeah, ultimately I have to have the line itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: All Let's right. So one day. You
1: said one day, Marco. One I day. know.
2: I know. I heard that. I, I feel like that's the cue for me to jump in and talk about the future as we wrap this. So uh, for society, I mean, we talked about business, security, Better infrastructure and, and 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 all of that, but what does it mean for the everyday user? And I'm gonna connect and and throw the ball to you, Nicola, with the with the note that you had on what you share with us about the declaration for the future of the internet. And and I have a copy here, and I gotta be honest, I I I'm gonna probably read this later in details, but. But I want to know how you mentioned that th- that Scion is aligned to this vision, for the declaration and and, of course, the future. That's why we do all of this, right? we We do it because there was a promise of the internet. There is a vision for what it could be. There is. Uh, you know, something that needs to be inclusive, something that needs to be affordable, a democratic approach to the Internet, because let's be honest, especially with two years of pandemic, we have seen how the, the Internet access is is vital for, for so many functions in our society. So give me a, a, a view on, on how this is going to make things better for, for everyone. No pressure. Yeah. so It's all on your shoulders, Nick.
3: Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> I'll manage. Um, so, so going back to that document, yeah, I think that came out from the White House actually just a couple of days ago. And that's really about a long-term vision about how the Internet should be. And what really strikes me is that many of the things that are actually in this declaration, for example, the fact that we want to have an Internet that is stable, resilient, that is multi-stakeholder in the way that is governed, that it is decentralized, so you know we don't want to have a single actor to be in control of everything uh, they They even mention about the carbon footprint, and this is something that we're also tackling uh, with our research on the green routing using cyan so these are all things that are incredibly aligned with all the features and properties that cyan gives you. And so, what really struck me is that now governments, like, and this is not only the US government, but many others that uh, they're actually like really reaching out to us, they're really realizing that that the internet can be better, that it has to be better than the one that we have today. And that is because if we don't do that, then we are going to miss a lot on all those new applications um, that are coming out there. And we talked about uh, gaming and VR, but I mean, there is critical infrastructure that is um, that needs this reliable uh, layer to be really controlled and managed over the internet. And when there's applications that we're also looking forward to have Scion built into actually products that also end user uh, leverage. And I'm thinking about, for example, uh, browsers or providing reliable connectivity to blockchains. I think before we we talked about people using uh, routing hijacks to steal cryptocurrency, for example. And we have seen a lot of interest and we are actually in touch with a lot of uh, application developers that are really interested in adding Scion as this uh, extra reliability layer into their stack. So I'm really sure we're gonna see much more coming forward. And that's thanks to both applications adopting it. And of course, also governments realizing that this is really strategic for, their, uh, you know, for the progress of their own countries. So I think it's, it's a bit of a twofold thing, right? Yeah,
1: this is super cool. And then and obviously being a security guy, I love hearing that reliability, trust, and security are built in uh, from this clean slate. And uh, it sounds like you're also thinking of, of the future in terms of scale in support of XR and, and VR and AR, VR, XR, whatever, SR. I, I heard another one the other day. Just the, the, this environment where there's going to be so much data from so many th- people and things for so many reasons and purposes that uh, the current design is just going to fall over and not support a, a, a trusted, safe place to uh to play and work and live and and uh do everything we want to do so I'm, I'm thrilled to hear this and you mentioned one other thing the, the green routing i think that's also critical right we can't do this at the expense of of uh requiring more energy and and uh destroying the planet in the process so i, I love that you have that kind of built into this model as well I'm sure there's probably a whole a whole armor research around what that means and what that looks like. And who knows, maybe that's a separate conversation. But uh...
3: Absolutely, yeah. So well, going back to scale, well, the S in Scion actually stands for scalability. So that is absolutely one of the top things that, that was thought of when, when this was designed. When it comes to green routing, yeah, the idea is to look at the carbon footprint of the internet. And as Scion is path-aware and can give you these very strong guarantees about where the data is forwarded, we have ongoing research to actually add to Scion packets uh, some information about what is the carbon footprint of that packet. So that as an end user, you can actually select the path that has the lowest impact. Of course, this is at the moment very, uh, you know, very early research. Uh, but we are really glad to also try and contribute in that direction because if you look at the IT carbon footprint, it is something that has been growing for uh, forever. And as we we rely more and more on this, that there is just a lot of uh, uh, there is a lot of uh, road ahead to do in in this direction. So we are we are also trying to give our contribution there. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I'm, yeah, I'm really, do. Sean. I'm really
2: glad that you invited me to to hear a lot of tech talk. <laughs> in a way, but but I can really see that this need of it, maybe it's because I'm in Italy right now and I'm thinking like, you know, tradition and drive big car and street that were made for horses and carriage or even walking and you you don't want to knock it down. But when it comes to, to technology, I think that that the clean slate change, it it many I think most of the time is so much more beneficial for not only security, but environment, for speed, for adaptability. And, and so uh, I'm glad to hear that there are, again, in, in academy, this, these things that are coming right. out. Because that's, that's uh, you know, I'm a big fan of academic environment. And that's really, I think, where, that's where the real future comes from.
3: Well, let me correct you. I mean, science is really getting real. Now it's really it's really slipping out of the lab. Actually, it already did quite a while ago. And no, but I mean the, But yeah. it, it it was born there, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. As, yeah, as yeah. a
2: research, then maybe you didn't know if it was gonna be a big investment at the beginning, commercially, right? You didn't do the commercial oh, absolutely. viability. You were just believing in something that was going to be better. So yeah, no, I'm I understand that and I'm glad that that is doing so, because that's a proof of yeah. concept for sure.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, I just think, yeah, the, 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 core, the core underpinnings uh, are, are rooted in goodness, I think is the main, the main thing, not profit. And,
3: uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think to this, I also have to thank our professor, Adrian Perry, who has been investing in, uh, in this for a long time and really believing in, uh, uh, you know, in this vision. And I'm actually really impressed that, you know, those issues, uh, he, he started working on this way earlier than me. And that's impressive that, you know, researchers could see some of those issues many years ago. And now you really see society catching up and realizing, oh, actually, this is really important. We need yeah, a solution right. for this. And we're <laughs> like, yeah, of course, we, we knew about that. We've been talking about <laughs> this <told> for, <laughs> for quite, a while, quite a while. Yeah. I
0: love it.
2: Very, very cool. And Sean, we, yep. we, we already had a few conversations with the... Uh, ETH. So uh, it, it's yeah, getting better
1: we're, and better. We're becoming, uh, we're building a, a nice collection of friends there. I, no, I'm, I'm very appreciative of your, uh, of your coming, well, yeah, bringing this to our attention and and sharing your insights uh, on behalf of your, your team, and the whole group there. And yeah, I think for those listening, uh, I suspect many have as many questions as we answered (laughs) after listening to this and uh, I thankfully Nicola's already provided a number of links which we'll include and perhaps others if he thinks of more that uh, are relevant now that we've had this conversation Uh, we'll include all of those in the show notes uh, so folks can connect to the university, connect to this program connect to the science community, the education community uh, there's the, I don't know, lots of You mentioned the association. There's lots of ways to explore, learn, perhaps even get involved. And I would encourage everybody to at least look and explore uh, what's going on here. So thanks, everybody, for joining uh, this Redefining Cybersecurity here on ITSP Magazine. Glad you made it, Marco. Nicola, thanks again. See you all. Thanks a
3: lot for having me. Yeah, it was a really great conversation. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Imperva is the cybersecurity leader, whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. HITRUST is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. Learn more at hightrustalliance.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Security Podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues.